0: The Lord be with you. you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful once again for your word. And as we come to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, God, we pray that you would give us the grace to believe your word, to live our lives according to it, and to build our lives on the solid rock that is your word. We ask, God, that you would send your mercy to this class, forgive the sins of the preacher for they are many. May God uh, bless the reading and the hearing and the teaching of your word for your own glory. And we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Uh, in case you uh, have really enjoyed, on the off chance that you've really enjoyed the Sermon on the Mount, uh, uh, two, two really good resources, two of my principal resources. Uh, this is a small one. I think it's probably still in print. You can probably still get it. Uh, Sinclair Ferguson. He's a Scottish theologian that I really like a lot. I've met him a few times. Uh Clair Ferguson. that's just called the Sermon on the Mount, Kingdom Life and a Fallen World. It's really heavy on the first half of the Sermon on the Mount and less and, and the Beatitudes, um, but and less on the others. But it's, good. it's still got some really good. And then this is John Stott. Uh, the Bible Speaks Today is a great commentary series. But this is um, there is a commentary on Matthew, which actually I. I don't really like that one that much. But I really... thats It's not Stott. It's, uh, it's somebody else. Same series. Michael Green. who did that one. But John Stott, just on the Sermon on the Mount. Fantastic. Really accessible. Uh, I really like this series. In fact, I think I probably told you before. My dad uh, has, for his devotional for years, has just gone through the Bible Speaks Today commentary like five or six pages a day. He just reads the chapter... Uh, reads the, the verse, gets the commentary. It's not just Stott, it's a lot of different... He Stott, before he died, was the, uh, was the series editor. But it's still, a, still in print, still a great uh, series that I highly recommend. Alright, so, we have been in the Sermon on the Mount now for, we've done six weeks. This is our seventh and final week on the Sermon on the Mount. So you know, you know, that the Sermon on the Mount is the description of the, what kind of life? Repentance! Oh, a plus gold star for you all, the repentant life. Repentance is blessedness. Repentance is not shame. Repentance is blessedness. Repentance is how you get to be poor in spirit, and how you come to mourn your sins, and how you become humble and meek, and how you hunger and thirst for righteousness. All those are the things that God says are blessed. That is the state of blessedness. And so, um, and so all of the stuff that is in our own culture about what is blessed. Oh, you know, I just got this new mansion. <laughs> Hashtag blessed. Uh, and fun, funny, actually. So the, uh, so the collet of the day. Says uh, that you may find in us a mansion prepared for you. When you come again, you may find in us a mansion. Twice now, people have prayed that you may find us in a mansion. Prepared. It's just the word order is really, really important. <laughs> I mean that you know some people have prayed that just find us in a mansion, God. That would be fantastic.
1: It comes from the heart. Comes from the heart. That's
0: right. That's right. Uh, so. Uh, Blessed are the poor in spirit. And so, again, just... I hope, I hope I sound like a one-string guitar to you, talking about poverty of spirit. And guess what? I'm going to talk about it several times today. But the um, uh, poor in spirit is not being sad. That's the beginning. This is where, this is where the repentant life starts. The a poor in spirit is being at the end of ourselves. Not relying on ourselves for our own salvation. Realizing we can't save ourselves by our own goodness. Uh, by our own achievements, by what other people think about us. Hey, Rick, thanks. The music today was fantastic. Really good. Yeah, thank you. Uh, We begin to trust in Christ for his salvation, not in our own uh, goodness that he would approve of us. And so when we trust in Christ, then ours is the kingdom of heaven. Because we're poor in our own spirit. And so, we then, because we've received that grace, we know that we receive that grace, we begin to mourn our sins, and yet we're comforted in that. And we begin to, um, that humbles us because we've been forgiven. And, um, and we will be satisfied uh, in our uh, humility. And we will um, have, we'll begin to hunger and thirst to be like Jesus, to hunger and thirst for righteousness. And on and on, we become peacemakers, reconciling others to God. And what that makes us is the salt of the earth, which is to say we're the ones tasked with um, bringing zest and flavor uh, and preservation and healing to the world in the name of Jesus. We are the light of the world. We expose things in the darkness, not to shame anyone, but to to reconcile and to bring hope. And so uh, our faith, what we've seen all through the Sermon on the Mount. And I love, I've done this several times in my ordained career, gone through very slowly the Sermon on the Mount. I love, it's really, I think, going slowly. You can see the continuity. Sometimes we just read it fast in one sitting, which is a great thing to do, but it can kind of seem a little disjointed. But if you really sit slowly, you can take the time to see how, continuous how much continuity how much integrity there is uh, throughout the Sermon on the Mount um, and what he said is that our faith is internal rather than external what do I mean by that I've talked about it a lot what do I mean by our faith is internal rather than external
1: Is it like the Pharisees where they were big on showing their their holiness? Whereas ours is internal, it does, it's not on for display or to be reviewed or admired or anything. It's...
0: That's right. So in contrast to what Jesus calls the hypocrites or the, the Pharisees, speaking of the Pharisees, uh, it's, we don't live a faith that's on display looking for the affirmation of others, which is not to say our faith isn't on display because we're in the light of the world. But it's, it's internal in the sense that we do it because we love the Lord. Yes. Now people are going to see you do righteous things. And it's a trick, to, to uh, well, that's just not a trick. It's a it's a it's a discipline to continually give and sincerely give that praise to the Lord. Because you can tell me I did a great sermon. i was like, oh, praise the Lord, you know. Just just I just want to give all the credit to the you know. Like it's just really easy to do to even say the words. It's, you know, it's a discipline. It's a discipline. And I'm not I'm not always great at it. Sometimes I love it when you tell me I. That I'm a great preacher. Um, I'd like to hear it again. So, um, but uh, but it's but I mean I really do try to. I used to say, "Oh no," you know, and that's not kind because you're giving me a compliment. But I, so I, it's been a, it's a task to say thank you and mean it, but also not give the glory to myself. And you all have the same thing in in so many different ways. Um, so the Sermon on the Mount shows us that, that, that our faith is in that authentic faith is, is done in love and not in uh, duty. It is internal rather than external. Uh, we're, um, that we love God rather than we love how pious people think we are. Um, we love God rather than how pious we are in comparison to others. Like that guy over there, boy, he's really he's messed up. I don't know what he's doing in church. You know, this, that's the Pharisee and the tax collector. You know, Jesus had, had a whole and a parable for that. Thank you, God. Thank you for all the blessings in my life. And especially that I'm not like him. You know, like that's... Yeah. That is a—that is not far down the slippery slope. I promise. That's pretty hard. But it is... Uh, so it shows us... Sermon on, the way, uh, Sermon on the Mount shows us a better way. But it is not your best life now. Right? It's not... <laughs> Lord... Find us in a mansion. You know, that's, um, it is, uh, find in us a mansion prepared for him. Um, It's the way of the cross, isn't it? I mean, that's really what we're talking about, described by Jesus. He doesn't have that, he doesn't use that language here because he hasn't been to the cross. But what the the Sermon on the Mount provides is a bar beyond our achieving. Be perfect. As your Heavenly Father is perfect. And so that leaves us on our knees crying out for a Savior, and yet um, to live it practically is to say that we have received it because we're poor in spirit, we've received that grace, and so we're hungering and thirst for righteousness. So we, um, it, it is a life that is rooted in grace. It's a life we can't achieve on our own, but by grace we can begin to live like this, and it's root, so it's always rooted in God's grace. And what Jesus says is actually uh, this life actually lowers our anxiety which I don't know about you, I could use a little of. I could use a lot of alluring of my anxiety. If I am feeling anxious, now I'm, I'm not talking just about chemically or, or clinically, but because that needs to be treated professionally, but but can I at least examine uh, the things I'm putting my trust in if I'm, if I'm feeling anxious? For instance, if I'm feeling anxious because I, I know somebody, I'm supposed to call somebody back, then perhaps... Am I putting... Is there an idol of their, their approval uh, in my heart? That's something to, I mean, it's just something that I have to think about. What about you? What, what, what causes you anxiety that might expose an idol? And what, is it, what do we do when our idols are exposed? We repent. <laughs> Poverty of your spirit. So, it lowers our anxiety and it actually gives us empathy for others, Right? Because why? Because we see them acting out and we know, oh gosh, I know what that is. Right? I know, I, I, can, I can relate. Not, who are you? Who do you think you are? I mean, it's not that we never get upset by people's sins, especially when they sin against us, but we can relate. We have a little, you know, this is forgive others as, as uh, forgive us as we've forgiven those who trespass against us because, because we can be forgivers because we've been forgiven. It's kind of a cycle. So we come now to the climax. The last half a chapter. Chapter 7, verse 13 through 29. That's actually just even a little past the sermon. I think it's 28 or 27. But um, but it, it's the climax. And, and Jesus gives us a series of contrasts. So he's talked about uh, the golden rule. Really, the golden rule is is actually sort of, that's verse 12 right before they're doing to others. Uh, was this translation. said? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. The gay, you're a, just a good enough guardrail. Is this? I would want to be treated this way. So I'm going to treat others that way. Um, and so then Jesus begins to give us choices. And it's not a series of choices. It's either there's two choices, either or. And, and frankly, uh, we might we might like for Jesus to give us a few more options than He gives us, right? In fact, Anglicanism is built on the third way, right? The via media, the middle way, and um, and and what where that comes from is we're not really we're certainly not Catholic, we're Roman Catholic, but not exactly Protestant either. We're kind of, we're, we're a middle way. That's, that was really the first sort of iteration of that. And then as theological arguments came about people who were more Catholic or more Protestant, um, then we would say, well, you know, the, the, the real presence, the sacrament was really one of the, of the hot topics early. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's not simply a memorial, but we don't believe it's the, 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 um, the actual body and blood either. It's, it's both. It's, it's the real presence of Christ, and your faith really matters, and you have to have, both. it's a middle way. It's a, the via media. It's a third option. We love Anglicans, Episcopals, we love a third way. We, now, you know, some people on, on either side of the, the, the way, they, they would call us, say, we're sitting on the fence. But we don't understand it that way. Always. Sometimes we sit on the fence. But all, we don't always understand it that way. We typically understand it. As a, as a better way. And I would say sometimes there is a better way. And yet Jesus, in the greatest sermon ever, doesn't give us three choices or four choices or six choices. That's what my wife likes. She loves a lot of choices. Right? And a lot of times she'll narrow it down to two or three and say, you pick. Because I'll just get that one. But what about... No, no, no. You've already made a choice. All right. But that's just me. All right. So we are comfortable... We're not really comfortable uh, as Anglicans, Episcopalians, as, uh, as either or. We like both hands. And, uh, and, but Jesus doesn't give us the option. There is no medium-sized gate. Enter through the medium gate. You know, uh,
1: <laughs>
0: the grande. You know, there's, there's, uh, there's, no, there's no grande. There's only tall or dinty. All right. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide. And the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Let me ask you, how do you read that? What, what just give me some devotional thoughts that come up when you hear that, those two verses? I think the gate is the gate is Christ. Just
1: the small gate, they're going through the narrow gate. God gives us all a wide gate.
0: We're all born, and it's our choice, and the only way we're going to get there is through Christ. Okay, so uh, Paul said that the the narrow gate is Christ himself, and God gives us all a wide gate, that is to say free will. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I'm not going to touch that one. But um, the, uh, sometime I will. Actually, we touched it, we we really talked about predestination and free will at uh, Theology on Tap, Uh, Last Wednesday night, theology on tap. That's uh, come and and pints with a priest. So, um, (laughs) next one is uh, January twelfth at uh, at Mandarin Ale House at six o'clock. All right. So, what else? Yes. Thank you for that. What else? What do you get out of that?
1: I think that there's one truth. One truth. Many will be misled thinking that they're following because. uh, Yeah. you know, the call of, the call of satan isn't uh, to you know come out and tell everybody that he's satan
0: it's just to lead you off the truth okay so there's one truth and the the call of satan is to lead us away from that the call of christ is to lead us through the narrow gate right am I hearing you right here okay what else anything else so i've never met anybody who read this and thought oh my gosh i'm on the wide gate i'm on the i'm on the easy path most people think, "Yep, God bless those people." <laughs> Somebody, if they, if everybody's going through the wide gate, some of us—I mean, we've got to—we got to think. Hold on a second. Let me really be. sure, Let me really, because I've never met—I've met, never met anybody who didn't think they were on the, the narrow path, the, the hard path. I mean, listen, life is hard enough. Okay, so you have two gates. You have a narrow and wide. You have. Two ways. You have the easy way and the hard way. You have two destinations, destruction and life. You have two crowds, the few who make it through the narrow gate and the many who go through the wide gate. Is Jesus saying that not many people will be saved? No. We know in the book of Revelation, right, we saw we saw the multitude around the, uh, the throne, a multitude that could not be numbered. So we know that, that it's, it's, it's not exactly talking about um, there's not going to be many, 144, it's 144,000 or anything. It's not that, right? It's just as relatively uh, rare. The, the easy way is wide and it is very popular. It is very popular. But where does it lead? Destruction she wouldn't talk in these stark terms. Don't you even be a little come on, Jesus, be a little softer.
1: Then he'd be in the middle.
0: Then he'd be in the middle.
1: Mm. She got
0: there. Probably <laughs> with No, no, she, she, she fed right into what I was saying. He'd probably have a black shirt and a collar on, wouldn't he? The um,
1: <laughs>
0: hard way is narrow and rarely followed. But it leads where? To salvation. To salvation. To life, Jesus says. That,
1: yeah, Chuck, go ahead. I might be jumping the gun here a little bit, but this is, you put the capstone on the the perfect life here, right? You, you're at the end of the sermon, you put the capstone on the perfect life, and he's saying that following everything he's done in the sermon on the Mount here, that's hard, and this is all pre-cross, so... He hasn't gotten to the point where he's offering you the third way, which is salvation through him.
0: I okay, well, I'd like to think more about that, Josh. For those online, Josh said um, that he hasn't gotten to the cross. He hasn't. He hasn't created the third way for us. So what he's describing is, is very so, hard. To,
1: to get salvation by actually living the perfect, absolutely one hundred percent, dead on right, perfect, repentant life is extraordinarily hard. It's oh, impossible. It, oh, possible, yeah. Yeah, it's impossible.
0: It. it but, but it's not. Yeah, but even even on this side of the cross, it's still hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it it, it, it is. So, um, what might be the easy way? To and what might be the hard way? Living to
1: yourself is bringing you to destruction. Self-indulgence. Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father through me." Yes. He is the gate, of course, and uh, to put our faith totally. His work on the cross for us
0: is not always easy. Rarely easy. Doc said that um, to put our trust in Christ totally is not easy. And, and it is, it's just a moment-by-moment moment thing of repentance, isn't it? Because we always want to take it take it back. What else? You said self, uh, a life committed to self, self-indulgence, self-promotion, right?
1: The kingdom of self, yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah. This is called strength of spirit, right? It might be it might be called strength of spirit, as opposed to poverty of spirit, wealth of spirit. The hard way is poverty of spirit, right? Trusting the Lord, lean not. Trusting the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Proverbs three. It is uh, those words are true. This is the way of the cross, and it is very very hard. I wouldn't begin to tell you that I have mastered not trusting in my own understanding. In fact, I'm explaining to you everything I understand about (laughs) the Sermon on the Mount. But having an internally oriented faith, a loving, a personal, an intimate relationship based on grace and not on our own behavior, not on our own goodness or accomplishment or what other people affirm in us, but trusting God's affirmation. So, how, why do so few find this way? Because it's hard. Okay, it's hard. It's, it's hard, hard to, give to, up up, to give up control. It's hard to give up control. Okay. And control, yeah. yes, I know a thing or two about not giving up control. Um, I, re- I remember the day I realized I was a control freak, and I tried to control that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's so true. This
0: is, uh, we bend I look at our it will th- by prayer. But Pardon me? We bend our, will, we bend by our will by prayer. I love that.
1: Go ahead. Um, the intellectualizing, thinking of the Pharisees and Sadducees, where they had faith intellectually, but like you said, it hadn't made its way yeah, so to the heart.
0: Katie's talking about move this the, the longest 18 inches in the world, right from between here and, and here and so um, so not just having an intellectual faith but having an emotional internal uh, faith. I think I and mean, these are all right, but but I would let me to offer this as well, and that is that self-centered is self-centeredness is just natural. <laughs> And, I mean, that's just that's, we're fallen creatures, and so we serve ourselves. We are the each of us, each of you, each of me. Uh, we are the center of our own universe, and so that's how we orient our lives. And there's there's actually some goodness about that as well, but not. But from a religious, from a faith centered salvation standpoint, uh, selfishness, self indulgence, self promotion, it's just natural, and it's pervasive and pernicious. Uh, so much so that we can use religious, pious language to bless our selfishness never and never be the wiser. And so we uh, need to stay humble before the Lord, which is called poverty or stupid. So what is destruction and what is life?
1: I think destruction is always being filthy. Being
0: fearful. Always being fearful. Destruction is always being fearful.
1: Fearful and anxious and worried about everything that's going on around you instead of being able to kind of just let go. Yes. Because again, exactly what she said, we all want to have
0: control. Okay. Yes.
1: The absence of God.
0: The absence of God. Mm -hmm. That is destruction. I mean, that would be hell, right? And so to kind of put those two things together, hell is not just a destination. I mean, I do believe in, in the actual existence of hell, but I also believe that we choose it. It's not that we're sent there because we weren't good enough, like go to your room. It's the, that's, we want, it. I mean, that's, that's what a rebellious heart wants is to be God, and hell is getting your wish. <laughs> and that there actually is, as C.S. Lewis would say, that there is in each of us uh, something that grows that, it, that it will be hell. If we don't nip it in the bud, or allow allow, allow Christ to do so, so destruction is as the self indulgent lifestyle that can lead to the destruction of relationship, the relate destruction of purpose, the re- destruction of our health, and ultimately the destruction of our eternal life. But strength of spirit, uh, a a strength of spirit, faith can lead to hell. But but a um, but life is is found by death. I mean that's that's the whole. Paradox of Christian faith. Dying to self brings us life. Okay. If we don't keep going, oh my gosh, we're already okay. good. All right. Um, Beware of false prophets, says Jesus, who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes, figs from thistles. So every healthy tree... Bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. And a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them, the false prophets, by their fruits. False prophets are the prophets of the wide gate. Right this way, they'll say. They are wolves in sheep's clothing. How do you recognize a false prophet? They're on TV. <laughs> 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 on TV.
1: <laughs>
0: Don't say that in a COVID world. We've all been on TV, man. I'm telling you. That's good. Um, yeah. Well, that's the thing, they're hard to spot. And they got a lot of people following them. And sometimes there's there's some pastors that I think are the real deal now I don't agree with all his uh, the way that he even preaches but I'll tell you I think Rick Warren I think that guy purpose driven life I think he's the real deal I would have said the same thing about Bill Hybels and Robbie Zacharias they weren't they weren't so I don't know man I don't it's hard so here's another... Here we had The first contrast was the, the wide gate and the narrow gate, and, and then those different things. We have here the good tree with good fruit versus the bad tree with bad fruit. I had a seminary professor, and he, this is what he would always say, the problem is the root, not the fruit. The
1: problem is what?
0: The, the problem is the root, not the fruit. And he was American, so I don't know why he would say it like that, but... Um,
1: <laughs>
0: so, in this sense, the false prophets—the the, the falseness of the pr- prophecy—it doesn't actually originate with what they're saying. It's what they are. It's what their de- it's in their DNA, or better yet, it is what is internal to their faith. It's who they are actually serving. Yeah, Keith.
1: So, so, Joe, that kind of goes in with like the prosperity gospel tells you about all the things that you will receive. And I don't know we receive blessings, but we're really supposed to, you know, you know when it says things done and left undone? The left undone is... I think what really, I mean, personally, I know that the, I'm done. I go, I could have done that. You know, I did, could have helped. I could have, could have, could have, could have. could But I think that awareness of that is where you, as God, help me to do the right things. Mm-hmm. But I've heard other ministers with this prosperity thing about how much money these people now are making because they're doing the right thing. You know, so they match it too. They match, the two, right?
0: they, they've matched, they haven't, they match strengths of spirit with blessing. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's that's essential.
1: So if you only do it so that you're blessed, you're kind of yeah. in a greed situation. I mean, I,
0: I, want, I want more money just like all you guys do. But we do have to check our spirit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What are we doing it for? God's going to bring the blessing. If we're after the blessing, we may... You know, it's like how the, the, the Pharisees, they get what they're after, which is the affirmation. That's They've received the reward. And that's it.
1: Yeah, it's why, like, like our church, we love this church because it, it focused on the gospel. You go you're,
0: you're, and the go, and, you're, and, and the, the rector's, rector's so humble too. Right. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and, then
1: the rector's and the rector, oh, so okay. <laughs> yeah. But the uh, what you said over here, the prosperous like Joel, Holstein, or somebody like that, that you they, you know, they they pull little bits and pieces out of the Bible and then they put it towards the prosperity of how that's going to better do. And I, it, it, to me, yeah,
0: I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm not the judge of Joel Osteen or Creflo Dollar or uh, Joyce Meyer or any, any of those folks, but um, I re, I do have a different interpretation. you know. So I would say that. Go. Yes?
1: False prophets
0: to me are like a carnival barker. A carnival. False prophets like a carnival barker. Go. Yeah, you know,
1: they're... They're throwing everything at you to get you to come in. Yeah, right this way. Step right up. Yeah, step right up, and you've got to. They probably do things like
0: food truck Fridays. A lot of
1: I'm gonna get a thousand
0: people. You've got to be aware of what
1: they're saying. Yeah. With with God with you. That's
0: right. Everything I say to you, you should test it against Scripture. Mm-hmm.
1: Amen.
0: Everything I say to you, I invite you. Testing scripture. And I invite you please to show me if you think I'm wrong. That has happened and I have been said so, you know, I think
1: you're right. Once. Back, just you, kidding. You yep. think, you, oh I'm sorry, we us. No, no, no. Oh. To the type of what you were just you know saying with the Carnival Barker and the the live activity or the, the food truck thing, you know, the tree and its fruit, you know, at this point. What's the fruit of that action, right? It's not to, you know, gain some worldly thing, it's to, you know, be a beacon of Proxy beacon to the Mandarin community and to, to bring people to, you know, yeah, to help people develop that's, their right. Yes, so yes, that's right. That's the fruit of that action. And so, if you were to judge somebody by the, the tree by its fruit, then that would be hopefully a good tree.
0: Yeah, that's right. I mean, so what is the, the question then is, what is the good fruit? What is the bad fruit? Good, fr- it's not bad behavior. Because I mean, look at the prodigal son or, or the elder brother in that. Like his behavior was great, he was separate from the Father. You know, his, his it wasn't the behavior that's the problem. It's who the fruit is who you're doing the glory, who gets the glory. The glory is the fruit. It's
1: what's in your heart.
0: Yeah, well, it's not just what's in your heart, but who is is. Yes, I mean, yes, is who it's for. It's the who gets the glory. Now, I don't know if you guys have listened. There's a very popular podcast. that just dropped its last episode called "The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill," and all the staff has listened to it. It is amazing. It's really, honestly, it's called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. It's a, it's done by Christianity Today. It is one of the most impressive Christian media things I have ever heard. It is done so well. And it is about Mars Hill Church in Seattle, which was founded by Pastor Mark Driscoll. And I believe that Mark Driscoll really founded that church because he wanted people to know Christ. Now, again, I don't have the same interpretation of everything. I don't have the same hermeneutic as he does, but I, he really wanted people to know Jesus. And he did some amazing things, but he was so talented and people came around him with so much money and so much fame and and the fame got to him and it completely destroyed the church such that he ended up resigning and the church of 15,000 people was closed its doors within eight weeks. Now they planted several churches out of that, but it was—it's um, an amazing story. And as well, I've really been thinking, about, I'm about to write an article about it, um, so hold me to that. But I, um, it is because it, it's not just—you know—the question I've been wondering is, well, what are we? What does what does that have to say to a denomination that has zero celebrity pastors? Um, and and I think we we all still have the heart that wants strength of spirit. Um, I recommend that, that podcast. All right. Um, the scariest verse in the Bible. Verse, verse, begins with verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do many, many mighty works in your name, and then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. These are people in the church. It is. I mean, it's. It, I, I can actually feel myself getting emotional. Um, it, it is. These are people who believed that they were serving God. They did amazing works and something this is that either or and not both and there's something kept them on the outside and God whose name that they called upon and whose name they acted in says I never knew you depart from me you work of lawlessness this is the same Jesus who said uh, whoever comes to me I will in no wise cast out Again, I have never met anyone, myself included, who thinks that they're going to be in the crowd who said, "I never knew you." They lived their lives thinking they were faithful, but in the end, they were not. So, the the um, dividing line then is law. What is lawlessness? You de- depart from me. Why? Because you're workers of lawlessness. Chaos. Chaos. What else? Is Was the elder brother a worker of lawlessness? We would actually look at the younger brother, the prodigal, in Luke 15 and say, he was the worker of lawlessness, but he's the one who gets brought in by the father. So, is Jesus, did you have a revelation after this got written down? What, What is, what's happening? How do we reconcile this? What is, what does Jesus mean in this context, in the context of the whole sermon? What does he mean by uh, fulfilling the law?
1: God is the God of the heart. He circumcises our hearts. And he says to uh, guard thy heart with all out of the coming issues of life. We should better serve God than man. It's
0: all about the heart of Him. God is the God of the heart. And we don't think, well, thank goodness He's a God who doesn't look on the out, outward things like man does. He looks on uh, the heart. And I'm a good person, so um, so He must love me. No. Poverty of spirit, we throw ourselves at the mercy of God. Trusting that he's a, His property is always to have mercy. Again, Martin Luther... Uh, said so insightfully that to fulfill the law is not simply to do the works of the law, because the Pharisees did the works of the law, didn't they? They did it. They did it incredibly well. Paul said, as to the as to the law, blameless. They did the law, not simply that it is done, but that it is done in love for the Lord. This is the idea of, am I doing? If I'm doing it so that I get into heaven, then who am I actually serving? Myself. That's the elder brother. All the good stuff he did, he did so that he would get in, not because he loved the father.
1: You know, in the end time it says, in time that uh, even the elect will be deceived. So
0: we're all subject to being deceived, and it's something to really. What? We are all subject to be deceived. Yes, and so what? We 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 come. We're not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under his table, but he's the Lord of properties. Always have mercy.
1: Don't you think the older brother expected a reward? Oh, he
0: definitely expected a reward. And then he was
1: overcome with seven deadly sin. He was jealous. Yes. Yes, indeed. So yes. He had, his heart wasn't in
0: the right place. Yes. Well, no, Alicia, you're right. But it was just, it's impossible to see. We were blinded by our own goodness rather than our own sin. That, that The younger brother could see what he was doing was not right. The, the good, It was the goodness. That's the Pharisee. It's very hard to see
1: Our own goodness. I'm having a little bit of a problem with it. If these people, you're saying that it's it's what the heart shows. What about these people that think they've called on the Lord? They think they're doing the Lord's work. Isn't there an obligation to let them know that their heart is not true?
0: The question that Susie says is there an obl- Does God have an obligation, and to to let them know that their hearts are not true? And I would just say it's all in Scripture. Like I don't I don't really know how to answer that. And um, but I, I know that um, that Josh can answer and I gotta go to church. But um, <laughs> I'll say this, like God can use anybody. Well, I mean you think well how did God use what didn't he use these how did they do amazing works in the name of God? Well, God can use Nebuchadnezzar, God can use Assyria, he can use a self-oriented person for his own glory, but we go back again to being poor in spirit. And so I'm just I'm just begging all of us, myself included, to be humble. Uh, before the Lord and to trust Him only. We examine ourselves daily. For whom are we doing what we're doing? Find the places that you're doing them for yourself. Repent. Confess. And, and find the joy in that. All right. The contrast, the next contrast is very straightforward. In every, um, is build your house on the foundation, build your life on the foundation. Of Sermon on the Mount, I mean, um, on the foundation of poverty of spirit, trusting in the Lord with all your heart. It's not everything, but it is the whole foundation. Um, and then, what I really also want to talk about—maybe I'll talk about it in uh, January. But the, uh, I want to talk about what is authority. Why did they think he spoke with authority? Um, paradoxically, this is the last thing I'm going to say. We find unexpected joy in knowing that we have been loved in our own unworthiness.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I think that is the message of the Sermon on the Mount. Okay. We're not going to meet next week. We're not going to meet on the second. We're back here starting with, we'll we'll touch on the very end. What is uh, authority? They were astonished at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority. And then we will get into chapter eight. God bless you. Go to church. Thanks for being with us.
1: Say it again, joy in the knowledge of what?